Hey everybody, welcome back to Pod Lasso Talking Ted with Jess and Logan. I'm Logan. And I'm Jess. And we're going to talk Ted Lasso Season 2, Episode 7, Headspace. Yes. I got it right. <laughs> you did. I was even like second guessing. I was like, wait, which episode are we on? <laughs> so good, I watched the right one. Um, for a, I'd rewatched the signal for some reason, and I was like, I swear we talked about this. <laughs> and I was, I went and looked it up. Uh, this was yesterday, and uh, I was like, Oh yeah, we did do that one. <laughs> I the almost next texted one. you to make sure I was watching the right episode. Um, so uh, as, as we do, I'm going to start with a question. It's a, it's not a simple one. But it's a very short question, because it's what she asks, or uh, not what she asks, but it's what she talks to Ted about, uh, Dr. Sharon. Okay. Fight or flight? Oh, jeez. <laughs> I think it depends on the situation. Yeah, me too. I'm... Um, I would say I'm more or less non-confrontational. Like, I try to avoid it at all costs. But if you piss me off enough, I'm going to fight for it. <laughs> I tend to be fight with people that I'm actually really close to, mm-hmm. which I know is probably terrible. Mm-hmm. But, like, I don't know. Uh, me too. It's because I care. And I care about how you're treating me and how we're treating each other and the situation and sometimes it is that I care that I'm right and I need you to know I'm right um (laughs) which is terrible but um you know I'm working on it uh whereas like people especially in work stuff like that I just don't give a shit about I'm like it's not worth any of the effort for me to argue and also I don't want to rock this boat like, it's just, <laughs> you know, and, and in, in situations with strangers, it's a flight because, like, I mean, I don't know you, man. Like, I don't yep. want to get into an actual fight. <laughs> so yes. I'm just going to leave. <laughs> yes. I, yeah, no, I think, I think we're pretty similar. Although I will say with work stuff. Because I've been at the company I've been at for so long, it tends to be more fight because I don't know if it's because I'm like too comfortable, too apathetic, too, I don't know, pick your adjective there. But it's just kind of like one of those things where it's like, you know what? No, like, I know I'm right. And I'm going to I'm going to push a little bit harder. So I don't know if that's a good thing or not. But yeah, I have my days with that. It's less about when I'm right. And more about when somebody's being insanely stupid. Yes. And I troll them. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it just, I've a few times had it come back through my boss and be like, don't do that, man. I'm like, they're, they're idiots. <laughs> they're <laughs> acting like idiots. Like, this is so dumb. Oh, it's no. like, yeah, they don't know that you're making fun of them. And then somebody points it out to them <gasps> and then they get really pissed about it. And I was like, yeah, but like they're being stupid on an email with like so many people. <laughs> oh, no. So um, I've, 
it's only been a few times that I've gotten my hand slapped for that, but it has happened. I, I do it more than I should, and uh, so I'm amazed I don't get called on it more. So, um, <laughs> but it is what it is. Um, I'm about to be working back in office, so I may have burned some bridges with people that I cannot rebuild. <laughs> Uh-oh. Oh, no. Yeah, um, that might get interesting real quick. So, uh, yeah, I was just telling my cousin Elizabeth, um, we were, she was asking me, do I like working at night? So I was like, eh, you know, it's what it is. I said, but I might be going back to day soon because <laughs> <laughs> once we get in office, I might be like, yeah, nobody here wants you here. So, <laughs> um, I mean, most of the people that work in my department, I have zero issues with. It's other departments and we're all going to be in one very small space, oh. which is insane to me, but whatever. That's my company. Um, anyway, so yeah, we're both a bit like Ted, right? We have excellent range. We fight and flight. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I, yes, I do. I do feel as if I have range. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but yeah, I, it definitely depends on the situation for me, for sure. I don't know that in one encounter like Ted did, I can do both fight and flight, <laughs> but, which was pretty impressive, but yeah. So, all right. So the, the episode, um, Headspace is, it might be the most perfectly named episode of Ted Lasso. <laughs> Indeed, I I was rewatching with that in mind, and I was like, "Oh wow, this is this was a good episode title." So it opens with this montage of Keely and Roy <laughs> constantly being like just so close together, and it it's been a very long time since I've lived with a significant other. Mm. Um. Like, is that a problem that you've run into? Like, being married? Like, or di <laughs> is, it, is it something that, like, after, like, the first two years, it was just like, no, we understand how to give each other space? Um, honestly, we do actually do a pretty good job of, like, giving each other space. I mean, he, he tends to be more of, like, a homebody, whereas, like, I, I like to be social, like, with the people that I choose to be social with. So like he doesn't like to do a lot of like the social things I like to do, like going to the theater and, and stuff like that. And so like, I have a lot of me time that I kind of like choose to spend with my friends and he kind of like gives me that space to do that. And um, I give him his space like at home to kind of like do his projects and do his things that he needs to do while I'm like, keeping the kids entertained and like stuff like that. So I feel like we have like a good give and take and kind of like a good back and forth. Uh, it's taken us, I mean, the kids change everything and it's, you know, it's probably taken us a, a few years to get to this dynamic, <laughs> but um, it, yeah, it, it, I will say COVID COVID was a really big test and it, it was mostly because at, at the time we only had the one, the one kid, but having her at home all the time, we were all on top of each other constantly for like what eight or ten weeks until she could go back to like daycare and we could just figure out how to work at home it was just like a whole thing and so that that was a pretty that was a pretty big test and there were there were definitely times where I think everybody got on everyone's nerves <laughs> it, 
Yeah, it was, so th- that was, um, and this has nothing to do with the episode, but yeah, bringing up COVID, I, I was so interested in people that now had to spend even more time with each other at home. Yeah. And whereas like, I am, I don't have that. So my, all my social interaction was at work in the office and suddenly I was completely isolated mm, from everybody. Yeah. And it, like, seemed to have, like, the same effect on, like, everybody. Like, it's, like, it's just, you know, we're all getting, the people hold up together getting on each other's nerves, nerves, and the people now suddenly isolated because they don't have that at home are, apparently my neighbors are shooting off fireworks. I don't know if you can hear that. A little bit, yeah. <sighs> I won't be living here much longer. Um... <laughs> Um, anyway, so, uh, it, it opens with that montage with the Sonny and Cher, I've Got You Babe song, Mm -hmm. uh, which I, I don't, are you, uh, overly familiar with Groundhog Day? I am, I'm pretty familiar with it. I, I'm I, I haven't watched it super, super recently, but it's, I've definitely seen it more than once. So that's the song that he wakes up to every morning in Groundhog right. Day. And right. I felt like they were intentionally, like, yes, it's a love song, but, like, it also, for those of us that are, like, super familiar with that movie, I can't hear that song without immediately thinking of Bill Murray waking up <laughs> for the, like, 900th straight day and just being like, I hate this. I hate all of this. <laughs> yeah. That is such a good movie, though. I didn't, yeah, I did. I didn't immediately pick up on that, but I can totally see that given like the context of the episode because they're doing the same thing almost literally day after day after day with each other. So yeah, yeah. I totally. I think that was intentional for sure. Um, and before we get to the 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 music cue, we get. Uh, this alternate, which it doesn't happen often that we get two scenes before the the opening music. We get Nate <laughs> um, visiting his parents and getting this like weird talk down from his dad. Yeah, it it does sort of set the stage a bit for the relationship with his dad, which. We haven't seen a lot of, just a very little bit, because we saw the dinner Yeah. a couple episodes ago. And we know they have a, a strained relationship, and, uh, like, yeah. he's painted his dad in this, like, a thought, also, uh, I can't say it, a very strict light. Um, but yes. before Nate walks in, like, he seems very playful, like he's smiling, he's doing his whole little shtick, yelling at the newspaper. <laughs> Grumpy old man, but not, like, straight-up asshole. And yeah. then the minute Nate comes in, it's like his mood changes. Yeah, I, d- I did kind of get that feeling. It's like he... I mean, he goes from being, well, kind of, you know, being, like, a husband and, like, the relationship he has with his wife to being a father, but to a father of a four-year-old, not like a father, you know, right. of, a, of a grown, you know, not the relationship you typically have with your parents when you're a grown adult, or some people have their parents, I guess. 
Um, yeah, it, it's and we can talk about more more of this at the end because mm-hmm. we've now both seen the finale and there's some stuff I want to get to, um, you know, in regards to that father son relationship. But I did think it was strange that we got two scenes before the the opening music because that does not happen often. Mm-mm, no, that is unusual. I, d- I don't think I actually realized that um, until you pointed it out. I mean, I know that's what happened, but yeah. Um, so after the music, we get Ted in his first one-on-one with Dr. Sharon, mm-hmm. um, which, I mean, I guess, in short, does not go well. <laughs> <laughs> that's one way to put it. <laughs> um. It's it was weird. I mean, it's appropriate, but it was kind of weird to me that we. It's like we started back with the like, oh, Ted's gonna do his shtick, and we've already seen her react to that in a mm-hmm. previous episode. Um, so I can understand why I guess they wanted to reintroduce that, but it, it did feel like a bit of a rehash. Like, we've already seen Ted be uncomfortable and overly Ted-ish around her because mm-hmm. of who she is. Yeah, that's true. Um, I was, it, it did seem like on a second watch, you know, it does seem a little bit prolonged, the whole thing that he goes through. And like, I get it. They're, I think they're really trying to play up just like all of his nervous energy and just his, his issues around being in therapy to begin with so like i mean he's clearly being you know he's clearly avoiding it and he's kind of trying to do everything in his power to like delay it and then once it gets down to it he's just like i can't do this (laughs) yeah i mean the first like he goes through this whole like act Mm. of uh, like just being ted the act that he puts on And, and i mean i love ted but watching it as many times as I have the first time it was like eh, like you know okay you're being a little too Ted mm-hmm. it's like annoying now when I rewatch it I'm like this is why doesn't she stop him and just say right Ted it's gonna be okay sit in the chair we're gonna talk and the minute she does that's when he's like I can't do this yeah I, I think she was trying to, like, feel it out, though, a little bit. You know, she's just trying to figure out, okay, like, what's he going to do? Kind of, like, observing uh, something in the wild, you know? It's like, I want to see what he's going to do and how he's going to react. I'm just going to kind of let this play out and see what happens. And then what happened was, like, basically, like, a meltdown. <laughs> An adult yeah, meltdown. Yeah, it's so, it's so strange to watch that, you know, like... I mean, I, that's why she's a professional. Me, if I'm like, my friend is coming over and starts doing, I'm like, dude, what the hell, man? You got, like, calm down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, just sit still, you know? It is, all, going back to, like, what you were saying about Nate and his dad, it is, like, almost like a four-year-old coming in. Like, they don't know mm-hmm. what to do. They want to touch everything. They keep talking. And it's just like chill out man (laughs) just chill out (laughs) yes yes that's exactly what it's like to have a (laughs) four-year-old um yeah (laughs) or a two-year-old or a seven-year-old yes maybe (laughs) it's again i know i'm not a parent but it is so funny 
like, with as many kids are in my life, like, from the jump, like, my oldest niece, like, yes, I was down for, like, all the, like, oh, I can't wait till she starts walking, I can't wait till she starts talking, like, and I've, you know, I've been pretty active in all their lives, but, like, after the first big one, like, (laughs) you learn all those things, and then, like, like, your friends start having kids, like, when Spencer and Katie started having kids, Mm -hmm. uh, like, they would say those things, and I'm just like, that's what you think right now. (laughs) But when they start walking, and you have to chase them everywhere, because they put everything, they gotta touch everything, everything goes in their mouth, like, it's, (laughs) you're just like, oh my god, stop. (laughs) Stop. (laughs) And then they start talking, and it's like, what is this? What is this? What is this? What is that? What is that? When you say something, what does that mean? It's like, oh my God, shut up. But why? Why this? Why blah, blah, blah? Why this? But, but mommy, why? But why do I have to do that? I'm like, oh my God, because I said so. <laughs> yep. Which is the thing you hated, hated when you were a kid. Hated, hated it. But when you get to be a parent or an adult that's, you know, around kids like I am such an involved uncle. You're just like, it's just because I said so, man. I'm so tired of explaining myself. <laughs> it's like, if you, do you really want the reason? Because you're not going to understand it. And it's going to spawn 17 more questions. So can you just do it? Thanks. Be great. <laughs> and that, I mean, and Ted is so much like that. And then she, she gives it to him or tries to get into a, a conversation and immediately he's just like, I'm out. <laughs> yep. He's like, uh, nope, sorry. Can't do this. Peace. Um, and then I, I mean, immediately cut to them in training. Um, and he's, <laughs> he's still like in that mode because he like starts going on and on about the jerky boys, which <laughs> I don't even know. Does anybody in England have a frame of reference for the jerky boys? Like, was that a worldwide thing? Probably not. I don't know. I'm trying to figure out if I have a frame of reference for it. (laughs) I mean, they were these dudes that made prank phone calls and recorded them. And it would get, it's like pre-internet, early internet. And it would just get passed around. And it they kind of gained this, like, uh, little local popularity in the Northeast. I think they were from New Jersey. And wound up with, like, a show on, like, MTV or something. Crank Anchors? Um, no, it's previous to Crank Anchors. Oh, Crank okay. Anchors is kind of a take on the the Jerky Boys were way harsher <laughs> than Crank Anchors. It is, like, NSFW. <laughs> got it, got it. Okay, I was like, that show I'm familiar with. We watched that in college a lot, but it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't really work today. <laughs> it's such a weird pull because, like, there was, like, a two- or three-year span. Because uh, I, I know I'm a little bit older than you. So, there's a two- or three-year span where, like, the Jerky Boys were a big thing. And, but, like, once that fell off, that, it, there's not enough people that would even understand. And people like me, that like, when I first saw the episode, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember the Jerky Boys. <laughs> like, I have, like, it's not something that, that's, like, permeates pop culture. Like, like bringing up, like, Nirvana from the 90s. Like, Nirvana, right now, I don't right. know why, it's everywhere. Like, it is. Every other kid has a damn Nirvana shirt. And I'm like, 
I'm I'm an old man. I just want to run up to him and go, can you name one song? <laughs> <laughs> I'd be impressed if they could. Yeah. Uh, my nieces all have Nirvana shirts. Casey, Ryan's daughter, is the only one that knows a Nirvana song. <laughs> yeah. Well, that <laughs> and that's because it's Ryan's daughter and he listens to Nir- listened to Nirvana. Um, but uh, during the training, we have this moment where uh, Nate gets really shitty with Colin. Ooh, yeah. Which, the first few times I watched this episode, I didn't, I don't think I could really wrap my head around why Colin. Yeah. Like, why not Jamie? Why not some of the bigger dogs who were, like, instrumental in picking on him? Yeah. Um, And that's, I mean, and that's a question that I definitely asked myself. And, like, rewatching it, I'm like... I felt like something would become more clear and this episode, it confused me when I first watched it and it still kind of confuses me to this day. And that's like one of the things that kind of confuses me about it is like, I mean, I guess the explanation is I just have to take him at face value of like what he tells Colin, you know, he's like, you know, you're, you're not an all-star. And so I don't have to treat you like one or I don't know, like whatever his reasoning is, which is kind of bizarre. But, yeah, I, I didn't understand why he singled out Colin either, other than, I guess he's an easier target. That See, that's where, I, that's where I arrived, too, is like, okay, he's not Jamie, who is a superstar. Mm-hmm. Um, he is, like, background, but he's also an easy, soft target at this point, because Jamie can't really necessarily protect him or fight his battle for him and jamie's not gonna do that right and colin of all of them probably is the softer target the easier swing um and that he's not gonna bow up or mouth off and fight back once you kind of quote put him in his place um and and we've kind of seen that with colin a little bit this season because he was one of the first people to go talk to Dr. Sharon. We seen the whole mantra thing, which comes back here, which I love Beard's reaction. <laughs> I'm a strong and capable man. It's my mantra. Cool. <laughs> I, I, know. I was like, I wish he didn't have the sunglasses on and we could see like the full <laughs> facial expression, but I can sort of imagine it. Um, uh, and then uh, from there we cut to to post practice and back to our uh, minor at this point Sam plotline who we found out last episode is, has been texting with Rebecca through banter they yeah. don't know obviously it's each other uh, he asked about meeting and she has not replied at this point I think they say it's been like a week or something it's been a while. And I love Sam's, like, every once in a while, uh, uh, three little dots appear, but then they go away. (laughs) I know. The curse of modern technology. Oh, my gosh. Could you imagine if that existed when we were in, like, high school and college? I mean, the – I, being a single person and having interactions like that, I I have developed an anxiety about it. Like – I, so much so that, like, 
especially with certain people I know that will do that, immediately when I text them, I will just delete the text thread. Oh, nice. So that I don't keep pulling it back up and looking for the dots and hoping, or seeing worse, like Sam, seeing them and thinking like, oh, oh, they're going to reply. And then I get nothing. <laughs> and it's just like, you want to reply back, but then you look like a psycho. You're like, I can see that you started typing something. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, could you please reply? I know, but then you can't say anything because it just makes it worse. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, okay, you're definitely not getting a reply after that. You're a nut job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair, fair, fair point. That's a... Uh... That's something I can I can relate to being married as long as I've been married. But yeah, <laughs> um, there there isn't. I don't know that this is a direct reference, but uh, the the crew the gang is giving him like reasons why she may not have texted back, and there there's some. It, it's kind of funny, but uh, I forget who says it. Uh, maybe. Uh, I don't know. I won't even guess. Somebody says maybe she got hit by a bus. <laughs> um. So, are you familiar with an affair to remember? Um, I've heard of it, but yeah, I don't. I don't know that I've old old romantic uh, drama film uh, starring Cary Grant. I may be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure it's Cary Grant. It's referenced a lot in Sleepless in Seattle. Ah, okay. And so in that movie, they, much like in Sleepless in Seattle, they promise to meet each other at like the top of the Empire State Building, yeah. like on this day. And then he shows up and she doesn't show up. She doesn't show up because she got hit by a bus. Got it. Okay. Okay. And so I, I don't know that that's a direct reference to that, but considering how much they're on the... Like, they reference a lot of rom-coms or romantic stuff in general. I was like, I wonder if that's an affair to remember, Jab. Like, maybe she got hit by a bus. <laughs> I mean, it might be. That would be pretty funny. I mean, the writing room is pretty smart, so I feel like that's something that they would poke fun at. Um, so, so we cut from there to Rebecca's office, and we see, of course, she's struggling to reply. Mm -hmm. Um, one of the reasons she gives is because his favorite movie is Ratatouille, <laughs> I know. which I'm with Keely. Like, I, I don't love Ratatouille. I do think it's a great movie, but it, it's not my favorite Pixar. But like, that's your hang up. <laughs> I know. I love, I just, I love her response. I thought it was a cute movie. I, I liked Ratatouille. I don't know <laughs> that I would consider it a cinematic masterpiece however but you know i don't think i would consider someone psychotic although if she were to think about it for 30 seconds she might realize that it's an indicator of his age yes <laughs> <laughs> which would be the the biggest thing i'd be like is he five <laughs> um uh, so after having uh, seen the latest uh, Spider-Verse movie in theaters, um, I, I gotta say, uh, one of my favorite films might now also be an animated movie. <laughs> hey, those movies are fantastic. I haven't seen the new one yet. Um, it's so fucking good. <laughs> I know. We, we are, uh, our oldest has seen it, the first one. 
But I th- she got scared by parts of it, so we were debating if we would take her to see it. Yeah, it, I don't think this gets as dark as the first one, but okay. there's definitely it. It's longer, and the action, like it, it goes, like it's just action, 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 and. I don't know if I'd say there's anything really scary in it, but it is very tense because it's just nonstop once they get into it. Interesting. Okay. Well, we might we may not take her then, but um, really want to see it. It's so it's so first one is so good. <laughs> um. So. Okay. Uh, they're having this romantic discussion up in Rebecca's office, and. Rebecca's view is basically that, like, it doesn't matter what you do, everything turns to shit eventually. Mm-hmm. Which, given her past, I can kind of understand. She may need to schedule an appointment with Dr. Sharon. Right? I was thinking that, too. Except, um, was it, which episode was it where her and Ted have the whole, I think it was a few episodes ago, they have the whole back and forth yes. about, isn't that what friends are for? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, which, to her point about unloading on your friends, uh, Higgins very promptly says, not my wife, she's my rock, she's you know, everything she's, you know, and Rebecca turns it to Keely is like, yeah, you and Roy are like that too. And, you know, she kind of starts revealing the cracks in that armor a little bit, a little bit Uh, and can't get too much into it because Roy walks in. And one of my favorite fucking moments in the episode is the jazz scatting (laughs) that we've never seen. I don't think we've seen it since this, <laughs> but apparently this is something that Higgins and Rebecca do because they very quickly like just fall into a rhythm with each other. Yeah, no kidding. Which kind of makes sense from for Higgins just because he does have that whole like jazz background, like with the the bass and all that. But yeah, I was I was surprised to see Rebecca kind of fall in line so quickly with that, and then they kept doing it. What? <laughs> Yeah, so good. (laughs) I was like, oh, that's that's amazing. They're like, oh, this is kind of fun. Let's keep going. (laughs) And and Roy, like, are are you talking about me? (laughs) Like, oh, 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 well, are you ready to go? Like, uh, for uh, uh, twice in this episode, you think, oh, well, good for Roy for not giving a shit about what people are saying about him. And of course, that changes very quickly. Um, <laughs> Once he figures out what they've been saying, yes. Um, so Ted goes back to Dr. Sharon's office the next morning to uh, try this again, um, but he doesn't. He doesn't do the Ted thing. He's very confrontational, which mm. is the the fight and flight thing we talked about earlier. Um, he, he's just not having it. He says he thinks therapy is bullshit. Uh, and quickly points out that part of that reason is that, hey, you're not interested in the truth. You can't possibly care about me. You don't even know me. And you charge an hourly rate for 50 minutes, which, okay, so before I ever went to a therapist, that was one also one of the things I was like, kind of fucked up that I pay for an hour and I only get 50 minutes. 
Yeah, I I do I do kind of agree with that. Like from, I mean from the flip side of that, I kind of like get why because they need that ten minutes. Yep. <laughs> to themselves, so that they can like process everything, document everything, and basically figure out how to charge you or your insurance if it's covered by your insurance. Um, and that's kind of what those ten minutes are for. But I I do kind of agree. Like I don't. I don't know that I, because I did, I did therapy for like a very short stint, um, and I, I just like, I don't think I ever really picked up on the fact that the appointments were only fifty minutes long, even though I was being charged for the full hour. But yeah, um, once I I done it myself, and then I, of course years of seeing like various shows, dramatic or comedic, about therapists, like you kind of start to understand that, like, that 10 minutes is, you know, kind of necessary in most cases. And also, like, when I did it myself, like, I never, if I was in the middle of something, I never had my therapist stop me and go, I'm going to have to stop you right there because that's the end of our time. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. They kind of... I'm sure they get practice, though, at, like, how to, like, guide the session. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, well, like, I I mean, I work, like, tangentially in the healthcare industry. So, like, I sort of have, like, an insight into, like, the business side of things. But also something I didn't really occur to me until just now is they probably need that time to decompress between patients yeah. also to, like, uh, get their head straight and jot down anything they needed to, like, jot down for you and then kind of try to prepare themselves for the next person that's about to walk in and unload on them. Yeah, I, I can't imagine what that would feel like to just, well, I, I can a little bit working basically at a call center for, oh, well. for a while and just unlo- people unloading one after the other. And if it's really, really bad, like, five or six times in a row – like you're just like I'm done with today. I'm just done. Yeah. <laughs> like mentally, I can't handle it because, you know, if you don't know how to turn it off. Um, yeah. So, and not to kind of sort of spoilers for a future episode, but we hear Sharon maybe in the next episode talking to her therapist mm. about right what she's dealing with with her patients and so like it that's a whole interesting dichotomy that we can talk about when we get to that um (laughs) so uh yeah uh ted like unloads on her and storms out like slams the door which that's as someone who's done it and i should be ashamed that i've done it it's just never fucking cool man (laughs) don't slam doors (laughs) yeah um, I always regret it when I do it, but I've, I've definitely done it. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I've definitely done it too. Not yeah. Um, so Colin, uh, we cut to Nate, who Nate basically spends this episode until a little bit towards the end, either obsessing about himself uh-huh. and being the quote wonder kid. Are just shitting on Colin. <laughs> yeah, pretty pretty much, or shitting on someone else, as yeah. the case may be. This um, episode still baffles me. I'm hoping you have insight. <laughs> um, I mean, it's 
I, I, I don't want to say it's one of my favorite episodes. It, it's not. I do think it's one of the most interesting episodes in that, like, there's not a lot of comedy in this episode. There's a few, yeah. like, funny, quirky moments. And even, oh, not worse, more so, there's not the the heartfelt moment in this episode. Like, there's a little bit with the Nate resolution and somewhat with Ted and Sharon, but it's it's not as heartfelt as this show, like, generally gets. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it, it is like an outlier of an episode. Yeah. Um, it's also... I, I know it's not the shortest episode of the season, but from... It's like from this episode on, or after this episode, is I feel like when they start really getting into the, like, almost every episode is a damn hour. Yeah, no, this is what, this is when they start to get longer. Um, so, I think there was, yeah, there was a point in season two where slowly they started to lengthen the episodes, and that definitely carries through season three. Um, Colin does try to crack a joke at Will when he's walking into Nate's office, because Will turns around and almost runs into him and goes, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't see you. And he goes, yeah, it's because I'm wearing camo, which yeah. is, <laughs> I mean, it falls flat because it's a stupid joke. <laughs> it's it's so dumb. <laughs> yeah, I know. But uh, Will did laugh at that, which yeah. I, I did find kind of funny. Um, I, I do, I really like Will. And, uh, which... Uh, you know, the show has, quote, technically ended. There's possible spinoffs coming. Um, we've talked about this. We have. I hope that Will is a character that sticks around because I don't think, even though he's in two seasons of the show, I just don't know that we ever get an, enough time with that character because I, I think he's really interesting. I do, too. And I, I do want to kind of like peel that um like onion back a little bit and see the layers underneath because we get some interesting insight that is never paid off in the Amsterdam episode. Yeah, I, I agree. Um <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it would be like if Nate wasn't further developed in from season one. If we just got like the Nate from season one for three seasons but there's so much stuff they just don't ever dive into that yeah. you wonder why they bring it up. But Nate does get a character arc. Will, we just get bits and pieces, and it's like, what is this kid's deal? <laughs> like, what, <laughs> you know? Like, sometimes he is just very much a kid and kind of goofy and dumb. And then sometimes it's like, just, like, I don't want to say smart, but like, it's almost sage. Um, Almost, like stuff, yeah. <laughs> but not quite there. <laughs> <laughs> this is these are very good ways to describe this character. I think um, he's yeah. He, it, you can't quite get a read on him at first. Yeah, and, and then you just then you kind of like okay, I think I kind of get this, and then they throw you a curveball. <laughs> then yeah. you never get any more after that. Um. So yeah, hopeful for for stuff down the line. Um. So, what did you make of 
the further dressing down of Nate to Colin about like you're they're artists and you're you paint too, but you paint pictures that hang in a Holiday Inn. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna lie. The this interaction, like you said, it it did baffle me a bit, and like I have to kind of just take it at face value, like. Colin's an easy target because he doesn't typically stand up for himself, although he's working on that, you know, with his mantra and all of that. But at like the same time, it's kind of like, why? And it's, it is definite foreshadowing, but it's just like, I've, I've never like, I've other than that, I've never quite like understood this whole, this whole thing. I think, Honestly, I, like having rewatched this episode, it might be one of my least favorite of the entire series, just because I, I still just don't quite like get it. It feels too like surface level, I guess, or too set up. I'm not really sure. It, I think it does the heavy. I think it does a lot of the heavy lifting for the Nate storyline going forward. Yeah, and that might be why it's problematic because. There's so much Nate-heavy stuff in here, Nate being a jerk, that you don't have... A, and most of the rest of it is the Keeley-Roy confrontation and the Ted-Sharon confrontation. It's all, it's, it's all very fight or flight, like the whole episode. Yeah. And it, it's just different confrontations over and over and over. Um so, yeah, he, he very rudely dismisses Colin. Beard overhears it. Um, and, you know, that that comes back to light later. Um, mm-hmm. I did notice he's reading about a boy, which I thought was kind of interesting. Oh, that's an interesting um, touch. Yeah. Uh, a fun movie uh, that was also adapted into an American television show that actually wasn't bad. <laughs> I never got to watch the television show, but it's it's a cute movie. Um, so uh, Ted stumbles on Keeley in the boot room, to which uh, uh, Rebecca and Higgins also show up, <laughs> and they're all discussing the Keeley Roy problem, uh, which is you know pretty interesting, but nothing beats Jamie also stumbling in. Well, Will Will comes in first, and then Jamie stumbles in afterwards, and he's like, "You're talking about Roy," without even knowing what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just, I just love this. It's just kind of like like a comedy of errors, almost. You know, it's just like every like one after the other, people just start piling in, and it's like, how many more people can they shove into the clown car, kind of thing, or pile out of it, whatever. You know what I'm trying to say? Uh, well, only one more before the scene breaks, and that's Roy. <laughs> well, true, yeah. And to which she's all like, uh, "Y'all talking about me again?" And <laughs> doesn't seem to care. Um, which very promptly sets up the next scene where Roy and Keely are at home. Keely's watching Sex in the City. I think it's really interesting how everything that happens afterwards mirrors exactly what she's watching in Sex in the City. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I know. I was sitting there watching this, and I'm like, oh, I get it. Yeah, this is totally what's about to just happen. <laughs> I, I didn't, I'm not, not a sex I thought that was fun to layer that in. 
So I, I like I don't have much reference beyond that one scene. <laughs> Fair enough. Um it's been many years. I like binged the entire series and the seven movies or whatever it is in my early to mid twenties. Haven't revisited it since. I have an odd feeling it doesn't hold up. Um, Saw that. Yeah, saw that. Not sure how I feel about it. I have a feeling it does. I don't know. I don't think it's going to hold up. I'm afraid to go back and revisit it. (laughs) You and I, I think, have talked about how I met your mother, and it does not hold up. Yeah. Um, I'm oddly enjoying How I Met Your Father, though, which has a Sex in the City connection because Uh... Kim Cattrall is the mother giving the story in How I Met Your Father. Oh, fascinating. I haven't actually yeah. watched that show. I've heard mixed things about it. So. Yeah, it, it tries to, like, readdress some of the problems, like, not fall into the same stereotypes, but also it's not as, it feels way more sitcom than How I Met Your Mother did. Yeah. Um, so the characters don't, don't seem to have much personality. Interesting, <laughs> um, yeah. But... I- I enjoy it. It's innocuous. So, um, so, uh, Roy sits, which, okay. So I, I think Rebecca, what Rebecca tells Keely earlier is like, don't audition your complaints and also talk to the person that can help you solve this problem. Meaning address this with Roy. Stop. Like we're here for you, but like you've, you're not going to get a resolution. He's not just going to suddenly realize, Hey, I need, she needs some space. You need yeah. to talk to him. But also what the fuck, Roy, who reads a book like that? <laughs> he like starts reading and then like immediately tells you the play by play. Yeah. I mean, she references it earlier. She's like, I, I've got to get away from Roy. He's downstairs in my office reading, uh, the Da Vinci Code, and he keeps telling me about the Knights Templar. I I don't like. I've never hoisted that on anybody, like unless they're interested. You know, like I, I read a lot of comics. I'm not gonna just like log on and be like, Jess, you're never gonna believe what I was reading in the latest issue of X Men. And like, you wouldn't <laughs> give a shit. You don't have a frame of reference. What the fuck is wrong with you, Roy? <laughs> I did think this was a really strange character quirk. I'm like, who sits there and like reads a book and then like immediately starts <laughs> explaining the plot twist in the book to the person who's never read it and probably isn't interested in reading it in the first place. And if they are, you just spoiled it. So like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just, I, I mean, my, my husband's not a reader and I love reading, but like, I don't like if I sit there and like something happens in the book, like periodically, <laughs> You know, there could be a point where I'm alternating between laughing hysterically or bawling my eyes out over this book that I'm reading. But I'm not sitting there, like, explaining to him why. (laughs) He's just kind of like, are you okay? And I'm like, this book is really sad. And he's like, okay. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And and while she's trying to watch TV and, and he's commenting on the book, like, the way you would watch TV. Right. right? Like, and it's like, dude, come on, man. You can't group read a book. It doesn't work that way. So all rights to Keely for losing her shit in that moment, because I would have too. 
Man, this was amazing. I absolutely love, like, I mean, legit, like, speaking of four-year-olds, a temper tantrum on her couch, which was kind of amazing. But at the same time, he was being pretty suffocating. And his response was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and he, put, he puts it all together. He's like, I thought you were complaining about, like, my hair in the drain. I didn't know you were making it out like I was some puppy dog who couldn't stop following you around which i get why he would be upset about that but in all fairness to keely dude that's exactly what the fuck you're doing <laughs> yeah i was kind of thinking that i'm like well if that's what you're upset about maybe you shouldn't do it <laughs> because everybody can see that's what you're doing she doesn't need it doesn't matter if she's telling people they can see it <laughs> and and i'm um, so he storms out she's upset um you know and I, I see both of their sides, but like, yeah, you know, again, communication is key. Um, <laughs> and I, neither one of them were doing it. No, no, they weren't. They weren't doing it at all. Yeah, no. I mean, and it's hard. I mean, I, I totally get like having like trying to put off like a conversation like you're kind of dreading. It's like, you know, you don't want to have it, but you kind of have to. <laughs> and then you don't. And then it's then it just ends up in some huge fight. Definitely. Yeah. There. Um, so uh, the, the the next scene is Keely waiting in the parking lot for Roy to come into work, and oh. he just straight up ignores her, which is I understand he's upset. It's still not cool, man. It's like okay, dude, like you're in a relationship. Like if you're trying to prove a point, this probably isn't the best way to prove that point. You know. But I think her whole conversation with herself is probably it's one of my funny. favorite quotes of the entire. How was your morning? I, I had what did she say? I had a, a put it or porridge or whatever for breakfast. How was it? It was too hot. It was too hot. I burned my tongue and I almost choked on it. It's been a pretty bad morning or something like that. Um, and then cut to uh, Ted coming back for the third time third time's a charm to Dr. Sharon's office apologizing for uh well he doesn't so much apologize he kind I think he does say I'm sorry I stormed out the way I did but she she confronts him with like hey you offended me like by saying I couldn't possibly care about you you know by using his own profession against him I mean she kind of had a good point like I yeah I hadn't really thought about it that way. And I was like, you know, their professions are actually really similar in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And I like that she called him out on it. I was smart. Yep. He's like, I don't assume that all coaches are macho dickheads. Like, for you to assume, are there bad therapists? Yeah, yeah, sure, absolutely. But for you to assume that all therapists couldn't possibly give a shit about their patients is is ridiculous because there are plenty of therapists out there who do work for little or no pay for, you know, struggling people yeah. that, you know, and is she one of them? No, because she's a, she works in sports. So, you know, she probably gets paid rather handsomely. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean uh, we don't know what the hell she does in her, her other times when she isn't there, you know, she might volunteer, to you know uh for like therapy for like children or something you, you just don't know mm -hmm. you know um so yeah I, I love the way she calls him out on 
the shit. Uh, and like particularly the moments uh, where she's like, the truth will set you free, but first it will piss you off, which I think is absolutely like so spot on. <laughs> I loved that. I was like, oh, that is so true. And so many of us can't like handle it. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, understanding the truth is relative from person to person and doesn't mean you should always tell people things that would hurt them. But like, if you want to get to the truth of who you are, you are going to get pissed off. <laughs> like, yeah, you're going to get mad at yourself. You're going to get mad at everybody around you. And like, until you can get through all that, you're never going to be able to resolve the issues that you have. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and her, uh, I can't be your mentor without occasionally being your tormentor, which of course Ted loves because he <laughs> loves a good, you know, little catchphrase. Oh my gosh. He's like, Oh, I love that. Just like I knew you would. Um, so we get, we get that resolution. Then we go from there to get the Nate, uh, Colin resolution. Nate apologizes after Beard promptly confronts him and says like hey you weren't just mean like you were like unnecessarily cruel to colin yeah yeah and that was weird and personal (laughs) yeah uh the beard nate relationship like we can talk about more in a in a few minutes yeah um so like he nate apologizes they get get a a big you know oh it's okay and then uh more training Roy (laughs) is this the first time we get Roy saying whistle (laughs) I don't know because I've heard it so much I I can't remember if this is the first time that we hear it but it's the first time that I registered the explanation for why he says whistle (laughs) yeah it's so damn good um sorry somebody just texted me oh no no that's okay I I think it's I was taking a sip of water, but <laughs> um, yeah, the whistle, whistle. <laughs> it, it's um, I was uh, re- somebody uh, I was reading some stuff, and somebody was commenting about commenting about how the way he says it the second time is always he always just goes whistle, and then like does this sing songy yelling version the second time. And so I'm now in my rewatch going forward. I have to keep that in the back of my mind because I want to see if he does that every time. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, that's pretty funny. I didn't I didn't really feel like it was like sing songy per se, but it definitely gets a little bit more intense on the second time. Um, so he he goes after Jamie for some football stuff, which I just straight up don't understand anything that he says. Oh. <laughs> I'm sure it makes sense. It does. And that's great. Um, it but does, actually. I, I love Jamie standing up to him and just being like, you know, all, all due respect, but like, that's not what he needs. What he needs is for me to get out of his way and give him some space so that like he can do what he needs to do and we're not getting in each other's way. And of course that light bulb goes goes off in Roy's head and we get that. I love my, one of my favorite Roy looks is Roy realizing something. Yeah. And, and looking kind of 
I don't want to say stupid, but very, like, goofy-ish. And then just, fuck! <laughs> like, I love, like, that right at that moment. It's one of my favorite things. Oh, um, me too. Uh, and it just storms off the, the pitch. And Jamie's like, I didn't even say anything wrong this time. Yeah, I know. I thought that was hilarious. But yeah, I know the this the speech was spot on. I mean, and he's he's using soccer terms, or football terms. I mean, he's only talking about it in the context of the game, but of course it makes like total sense and parallels to Roy's situation at the moment. So, I loved it. Uh it it made me think about uh there's an episode of the office where Jan brings all of the women of the office together and they they have this very brief moment where they talk about not necessarily understanding the sports metaphors, which I can appreciate how difficult that is for people that like, again, I don't understand what Roy's talking about, but like, I understand enough that when like the metaphor of giving people space, like also like Roy, I'm like, ah, oh, fuck. Yeah, that that's right. <laughs> like you cannot be up under somebody all the time. I hate it when people do that to me then I turn around and do it to other people. And I'm like, I don't understand why they're upset. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, basically like Roy is telling him to do like the opposite. He's telling him to be like close up on him and to be like right there. And Jamie's like, no, 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 that's not what he needs. He needs for me to be over here. So he has the space to do what he needs to do. And so, yeah, you got it um, without fully getting it, but you got it. So post-practice we get a, really sweet moment where the team has gotten Nate his own jersey that says Wonder Kid on the back. Right. It's so like so touching in that moment that it gets so sideways not five minutes later. (laughs) And I think this is what genuinely baffles me about this episode is his reaction to to will at the end because i don't get it like i mean it's a nice gesture i mean they're they're giving him a little bit of grief but that's i feel like that's just kind of like what they do i feel like that's how you know you're like one of the team like one of the guys or whatever yeah you know? i mean is it was it so is it like that i i i never played sports period but I do know male camaraderie can be a lot like that. And sometimes yeah. people are like, I don't understand that. Um, and I, I don't know. It's just something we kind of grew up with. Um, Cause that's just the way a lot of male camaraderie is, is you just give your friends shit constantly. Yeah. Um, but you're always there. Um, but being on a sports team, male or female, like is, is, is it like that? I mean, I can only speak from, like, my own experiences. And I mean, like, I mean, a little bit, but I don't think in, or at least not, I mean, I didn't play at a professional level in any way, shape, or form. But, I mean, I feel like people, like, tease each other. And, like, you kind of have your clicks is a bad way to put it, but you kind of have, like, your groups of people, you know, that, like, you hang out with. And it's, like, you kind of, like, tease each other, but not maybe quite to this level. I don't know. I feel like that's more distinctive from my understanding of like male friendships and how they relate as opposed to female. But yeah. Um, and you know, I, 
somebody like Nate who was bullied for so long. Yeah. I can see where it's hard to to accept that as a loving thing and not as people continuing to shit on you. Right. Yeah. It's it's very difficult to tell the difference. Um because I mean, there really kind of like almost really isn't a difference other than it's like, oh hey, yeah, like we're cool now, so we can do this because we're cool. But right. before we did it because we thought you were a loser, so Yep. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah, it is it is very confusing, but I don't know. Like he's he seemed kind of like accepting of it and like he liked it and like that he was kind of appreciative of it and then scrolls down Twitter and then has a complete does a complete like one eighty on it and that's what I don't fully get. Yeah, I so I yeah, I feel like he he's becoming so self absorbed. Um that like you know and there's a that thing early on um which actually I'll get to that in a minute but so uh Ted and Trent in the pub uh Trent uh spots Ted from afar it's almost a nothing scene except Trent is there with someone yes he is which I did not notice the first go around and so I, we've had this discussion about Trent's sexuality, which if you've not watched ahead might be like, why does that matter? Um, but it is something that becomes relevant later. Um, and I think this was my first inkling that like, oh yeah, for sure that this guy is gay. And like, they're just not going to properly... Not that they need to properly address it. It just is what it is. And there, there's no reason to bring it up until there is a reason to bring it up. Yeah. Yeah, no. I mean, on the first watch, I totally glossed over it. But I did notice it on the rewatch. Um, and really, it, it's... I, I don't quite understand the purpose of the scene except to possibly, like, set up... One kind of set up that which will come into play later and be like reestablish the friendliness of Ted and Trent. Yeah, true. Because Trent hasn't really shown up that much uh, in the last few episodes. No, that's true. He hasn't. um, So Roy and Keeley in the the making the rounds of apologizing and making shit right. <laughs> Keely comes home, thinks that Roy is has packed his shit and left. Um she goes upstairs only to find out that no, he hasn't. He's actually realized his mistake and uh drawn her a bath, picked roses from her neighbor's garden. <laughs> which <laughs> having had a neighbor that grew roses, <laughs> that's that's a no, man. <laughs> like, somebody's going to talk to somebody when you do that. <laughs> uh, yeah. They're going to be pissed off about it. Um, yeah, people get real upset <laughs> when you take the flowers out of their garden. Um, <laughs> especially when they're roses, because roses can be difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I appreciated Roy's apology and realization, and especially... 
the the roundabout way of doing of like, hey Siri, play the <laughs> Roy is sorry for not understanding understanding what Keely needs playlist. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, um, and and the the unfortunately the show ends on the previously mentioned, well, kind of alluded to. Nate goes at will off camera yeah. about the Jersey because the team tells him like the Jer- Oh, the Jersey was Will's idea. And Will seems really like, it seems genuine, not like a dig. I agree. But Nate needs a target for like all the, that, talking about people that need to talk to Dr. Sharon. <laughs> um, and I mean, you know, I get it as somebody who was bullied as a kid. Like, I do get it. But, like, that's not what you do, man. You know? But it is what happens. You know? Hurt people hurt people. Exactly. Yep. And it's it's such a, like... It is the dramatic, like, incident where it's like, oh, shit. Like, up until now, it's been... Uh, uh, what's going on with Nate? This seems a little weird. This episode is the, like, fuck, I don't, do I not like Nate? What the hell, man? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um. This, this was one that was a, was a turning, starting to be a turning point for me with his character of, like, what just happened? And why? Like, I don't even get it. Like, why? Yeah. A fucking tweet sent you off? Like, that makes no sense. It's not like it was Will tweeting it. So, uh, <laughs> I don't know, this isn't really trivia. When <clears throat> when Roy is setting the scene for, for Keeley's bath, and he points to the, like, little starlight ball thing, mm-hmm. he's like, and that's Phoebe's, I'm gonna need that back. So, at, at Christmas this year, this past year, well, Christmas every year we do a, like, it's not a gift exchange, what a white elephant, whatever you want to call it, dirty Santa, mm-hmm. we, we do that every year. Um, at my mom's house and my niece's boyfriend, uh, Casey's boyfriend bought a, a little, those little starlight ball things. Oh, nice. And I, a few people wanted it, but I just kept stealing it back. (laughs) And everybody was like, why the hell do you want that? And I mean, I was just like, I don't know. I thought it was cool. But, like, in, this was why I wanted it. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's awesome. So, so I, I have one of those. It looks exactly like that. Nice. <laughs> um, uh, maybe a little TMI? I don't know. It just, you know, I, every time I see it, I'm like, I have that. I have that. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, <clears throat> all right. So, favorite joke in an episode that is... <laughs> so light on the funny moments I like I struggled to like even think what what is the thing that made me like really really laugh in this episode <laughs> um, a lot of the Keely bits uh, made me laugh a lot and so I think I think for me her um, her breakfast conversation <laughs> wins <laughs> I do like that. Um, mine is a throwaway. Uh, it's a babbling Jamie moment. Oh. When he walks into the boot room 
he's coming in to talk to Will to ask if he can take the name off the back of his jersey and put it back on, but bigger. (laughs) (laughs) Which is such a fucking Jamie thing. So, Jamie, that did make me giggle. That was pretty funny. Um, alright, so, spoilers for future episodes, things, uh... The Nate moment with his dad. Ooh. So, in the finale, uh, so spoilers for the finale, we get almost the exact fucking reverse of this moment. Yeah. And it's so... Like, having watched this, because I, I watched this, uh, because, uh, I mean, behind the scenes, we're supposed to record, but things had to get pushed because summer and... Our schedules are just crazy. Um, So I watched this literally the day before I watched the finale. And watching those two moments back to back, like it made that, that scene with him and his dad in the last episode just hit so fucking hard. Yeah. Um, Yeah. When he tells him like, I didn't know how to parent a genius and so his solution to that was to just be like strict and uh, like to cut him every single chance he got so that either he didn't get too big headed or yeah that he he but it had the opposite effect you know yeah um it's easy to watch the show and not think of think that the gene quote genius Nate isn't really a thing, but then like you learn so much going on, like through the rest of this season and the third season that genius might be too strong of a word, but he's not, he's not the dude who just, uh, no offense to anybody who is a kit man for their entire career, but he's, he's, uh, enough of a tactician that, that shouldn't be where he's at. Yeah. But he beats himself up so much, partly because of this shit with his dad, that that's just where he put himself and that's where he was going to stay. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. He didn't really think that he could be anything more because he didn't really have anybody kind of like building him up and, and believing in him. So, yeah, no, I, I agree. I think the dichotomy between the two scenes is really well done and I mean Nate goes through an entire journey in season three I mean going into that season I hated the character he had become hated him and like very begrudgingly (laughs) yeah and a lot of people were upset and we'll get to it when we talk in season three but I know a lot of people are like well, the resolution is so quick and, but like the thing about the resolution is a Nate, that wasn't the person he ever wanted to be. Yeah. It was the person he thought he had to be. Yeah. And until like he accepted, he could just be this person that, you know, didn't have to hold on to all of that shit. And, like, you know, it's, I don't think the resolution was as quick and painless as a lot of people seem to think it was. Um, 
No. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed, it, you know, because he, which again, we'll talk about it. He does the the same thing he did before. Like, he blows up his whole career and then takes a job as a fucking waiter. And he's just like, no, I'm happy here. And it takes somebody going like, no, man. Yeah, <laughs> like, you don't belong. You're, yeah, you don't belong here. You know, again, no offense to people who do wait for their entire lives. Like, it, it, it's not a career that you should be shit on. But, like, dude, you were managing a football team. This is where you belong. It's where your passion is. Much like Roy taking the, the job as a uh, pundit. Yeah. Like, that's not where the fuck you belong, man. Exactly. You know? Like, so you might just be, quote, content here. You're never going to be happy here. Yeah. And, you know... It takes that person, it's weird that it's Jade, but it right? does take that person just going like, I'm not going to let you settle for this shit. Exactly. Yeah. And, it, well, it just it takes someone to believe in him. And I, I like that in the end, it's more it's more than just, just Ted. So. Yeah. Um, so, uh, also, again, watching this episode, watching the 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 last few episodes in conjunction yeah the beard nate confrontations Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> oh so good but also just like he has this knack for just like appearing and it's just like yep ah. <laughs> when he shows up at nate's, nate's apartment he's like are you here to kill me i know I know. I, I like. I if this if that if the subsequent interaction did not completely like bring me to tears, I would have still been laughing over that line. <laughs> yeah. Um. And, and this is like an early version of that. It is. You know, because we don't get a lot of Beard Nate interaction. No. Uh, we don't get a lot of interaction of Beard and anybody except for Ted, because <laughs> um, he's so like not walled off. He's just. Because it's very intentional. <laughs> Just like, mm-hmm. I don't let anybody get close to me. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed the, like, it's the same but different. Like, you know, mm-hmm. because when he can when he confronts Nate in this episode, it's very, like, uh, intentional of, like, like, we want you to be part of this team. And, and it's not begrudging. Whereas in the, the it's either in the finale or... It's, no, it's, it's the, the episode. Is it the finale? Yeah. Okay. Wait, um, no, it's not. Is it the episode before? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Because um, I rewatched them both, so they kind of bleed together. I watched them um, simultaneously, like one yeah. after the other. So. Um. Yeah, it's very begrudgingly that he goes to talk to Nate. It's like I I want to murder you. Yeah. yeah. But I'm not going to. <laughs> you know. And in this episode, it's like. I'm trying to steer you the right way because I see you going the wrong way. Right. Um, and it, it, it's, it was very, very interesting. Uh, the other thing I wanted to bring up was just Ted's therapy stuff. This is the beginning of his therapy journey, mm-hmm. which we're going to talk a lot about. But him bringing up yet again that he and his wife were in therapy and... Like, knowing the future of finding out that, like, oh, he's... <laughs> Next season, he's going to find out his fucking wife is dating their therapist. Yep. <laughs> and which just furthers the, like, yeah, I no, I don't trust any of this. <laughs> exactly. 
exactly. It's like, can you blame him? Oh, man. But, I mean, I do feel like he ends up handling it better than I thought he would. But yeah. um, And then we talked about the the Trent uh, and the, the gay... I don't want to say angle. I I feel it feels weird talking about it because I feel like any way I talk about it, it's going to sound uh, not right. Um, <laughs> I'm very like pro all of this. I have no problems with it, but um, I do know that a lot of people seem caught off guard by the oh wait he's gay and like I th- I'm pretty sure we talked about this in a previous episode where I was like I felt like I knew he was gay pretty early on (laughs) yeah i feel like i like had an inkling about it but because they don't they don't try to like go like over the top with anything really i think until the third season uh, up until you get the reveal there's a lot of little nods if you're paying attention (laughs) yeah but yeah um uh which you know we'll talk a lot about that when we get into the colin storyline in season three um so, anyway, uh, that's... Hey, we did it. <laughs> hey! Um, so, uh, yeah. Uh, I guess check out everything else we're doing over at xwingfiles.com. Um, right now, it's not much, and it's probably going to be quiet and sporadic for a while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> summer, and I'm relocating, so the next month of my life is gonna be um Look. packing and just not not great but it'll be what it is so and uh you're podcasting which I, I am now officially caught up uh superman and lois holy shit that last episode was something else yeah <laughs> it was good it was really good which there's what three episodes left? Only Four? two. Two. Yep. Okay. Um, with no inkling on the show getting renewed. Nope. We have no idea what the future may hold. Uh, it is off this week, so we, oh. it's not back until the week after. So oh. this week is a break. Okay. And then the last um, two episodes will air for the finale. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you watch Superman and Lois or into the CW stuff at general, uh, in general, uh, tomorrow's legends, go listen to it. It's good stuff. Um, are, are your cohorts going to cover, I know it's not the flash TV show, but are they going to talk the flash movie? I don't think so. So we have like a kind of like a sister podcast called dive into DC and they cover like all things DC. They do like animated stuff and comics and all sorts of stuff. So they're going to be covering the flash movie. So I I still have not decided if I'm going to see it. I know I hate, I mean, I, I have mixed emotions about it. I mean, if, if I go and see it, it does not at all have anything to do with, like, Ezra Miller. In fact, right. <laughs> he is the reason I do not even want to, like, give my money to these people. But there's a lot of other Me folks too. involved other than just him. It's not all just about him. And the trailers make it look pretty amazing. <laughs> and so fucking good. Flashpoint is one of my all-time favorite storylines for the Flash. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Um, 
even like so much so that like when I realized they were doing Flashpoint, I was like, yeah, we got an animated adaptation that was fucking great. (laughs) So I don't know why we're revisiting this story other than like everybody's doing multiverse stuff. It looks good, but I'm telling you and across the spider verse, I don't know if anything superhero wise will ever get better than that. Um, and the third one comes out in March of next year. Oh, nice. So. Oh, that, oh, those movies are so... It's Well, I mean, I've only seen the first one, but it's so yeah. good. Oh, my gosh. It's like you forget it's an animated film. It's just so good. Yep. Um, well, we will be back next week talking about episode eight, or, well, probably next week. You're off. I, yeah, I should I, be free. I should be free, so... <laughs> <laughs> I should be So we, we should have... An, we should be able to get... M- season two out of the way before things get way too rocky <laughs> yeah yeah because one, yeah once you actually have to like move yeah. move that's when i think yeah things are probably going to get a little so and there might be i might have to be back and forth for a while because i might not be able to get everything moved all at once which means my weekends are going to be tied up Ugh, <laughs> so yeah um we might have to take a few weeks off <laughs> yeah no that's totally fine i mean i'm off for superman and lois next week and then we finish it out uh for basically the month of June is is where we're is where is when we're done with Superman and Lois and we don't have any um immediate plans of what of what we're doing next. We want to do something next, but we'll probably take a little hiatus until we figure that out. Good deal. Well, we'll see you guys next week. Uh, until then, thanks for coming to our TED Talk. Bye.